going to uh, refer to other verses in the ensuing chapters. So we are going to read only for the moment First uh, Kings chapter 18, verse 41 to 46. Now this follows that event that happened on the mountain where the Lord revealed himself as the, the, the living God over the idols of the Baals and the Baal priests and where the church of the Lord of the Old Testament is once again put before the challenge to choose who they want to serve, God or an idol. Now all of this happened, and now we start reading in verse 41, and Elijah said to Ahab, now Ahab was that wicked, wicked king, go eat and drink, for there is the sound of a heavy rain. So Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Carmel, bent down to the ground and put his face between his knees. Go and look towards the sea, he told his servant, and he went up and looked. There is nothing there, he said. Seven times Elijah said, go back. The seventh time the, ser the servant reported a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. So Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds. The wind rose. A heavy rain came, uh, uh, came on uh, and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. The power of the Lord came upon Elijah and tucking his cloak into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. May the Lord add his blessing and understanding to this word and give us the willingness to live according to this, this word. So if you want to keep the Bible open, some, somewhere in the sermon we'll refer to the next two or three chapters in the life of Ahab. I've titled the sermon this morning, a sinner in the hands of a merciful and just God. A sinner in the hands of a merciful and just God. A study of the book of First Kings closely reveals that there are some of the kings of Israel that only got a mention of two or three verses. Some got a bit more than that. One verse announces Ahab, who gets one chapter after the other, more than three chapters, Ahab, as mentioned. One verse announces him as the new king after his father, father Omri, and the next this has to say about him. He not only considered it trivial to commit the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, 
But he also married Jezebel, daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Sidonians, and began to serve Baal and worship him. Now that's right as an introduction to the life of Ahab. So the Bible wants us to understand what's following here from chapter 16, the end of that, right through to about chapter 23. That this is a very evil man. And how God deals with this evil man. Another verse helps in the Bible to remember Ahab and his godlessness and rebellion. And that is towards the end of his life in First Kings chapter 21 verse 25 and 6. There was never a man like Ahab who sold himself to do evil in the eyes of the Lord, urged on by Jezebel, his wife. He behaved in the vilest manner by going after idols like the Amorites the Lord drove out before Israel. So, you would want to think, why is it that we are introduced to Ahab as a man evil. And that the Bible would spend five chapters on an evil man. And I think there's a lesson for us today. Let's go through this and just work it out. Hear the word of God. Ahab hated the man of God, Elijah. He also despised other prophets, as we will see in the sermon this morning. Those who declared the will of the Lord by saying, Thus saith the Lord. Between the first mention of wickedness of Ahab and his eventual death, a large chunk of chapters of the Bible is about God's dealings with a sinner. One wonders why God's Holy Spirit, as he inspired those who wrote this portion of the scriptures, allowed this to be included into the Bible. Obviously, God wants us to see something of his grace, of his long-suffering, and his eventual judge, judge, uh, just judgments as they evidenced, they evidenced in the life of Elijah's dealings with Ahab and the other prophets of God. Therefore, it is about the sinner in the hands of a just God. Let us not think of the evil King Ahab this morning as though it has no, nothing to do with us. Let us ask God's Spirit to reveal it to us as we see ourselves in the hands of a living God. Now the first thing is, in the life of Ahab, there was no doubt in his mind as to who God was and is. No doubt. We heard about Ahab on the mount. On the mountain where he 
saw what happened. He saw the Baal priests as they were praying, cutting themselves up, shouting, dancing around that, that altar for the best part of the day, and nothing happened. Ahab witnessed all of this. He saw that Elijah then, in the quiet of the evening, when it was time for the evening sacrifice, with faith, prayed to God. And God answered his prayer, and all of the sacrifice on that altar, with the water in the trenches around it, were consumed by fire that God sent. And then Ahab was there. Ahab was there when Elijah then said, The Lord, He is God. And Ahab witnessed the fate of the prophets of Baal. And then the attention was immediately again focused on Ahab and Elijah. And Elijah spoke words of grace to Ahab. Now you must keep in mind there was this huge big drought that went on for three years. And in the time Elijah was running for his life because Ahab was just seeking for him, searching for him. He wanted to kill him. You remember that story? Yeah. And now Elijah turned to Ahab and he spoke to him words of grace. Go eat and drink for there's the sound of heavy rain. Now that the people chose once again that they would serve God, now that they have, they have killed the Baal priests and they were out of the picture, and the people then said, The Lord, the Lord is God. The Lord answered the prayers of Elijah even before Elijah uttered them. Elijah went to Ahab and he said, Ahab, Get on your chariot. The rain is coming. This is significant because God now listened to the prayers of the people upon their repentance and he took the drought away. Elijah, Baal is no God. He's only a God, small g, meaningless and helpless. But God, capital G, answers with fire he's God and he is answering your prayer I will pray for rain and God will do what the prophets of Baal couldn't do no doubt in your mind Ahab who is God here so Elijah did just that he got onto his on the mountain and he went and he prayed at that stage by faith that's what he said because he knew God and he trusted God and he went on the top of Mount Carmel and he bent down to the ground and put his face between his knees and he prayed seven times and every time he said go and 
See? Is that a cloud? No. At this stage in the story, Ahab was on his chariot on his way to Jezreel. He took the word of the prophet that God is going to send some rain. At that stage, there was no nothing that God would really give rain apart from the fact that he would answer the prayer of Elijah. And God did answer the prayer of Elijah. And there was a big storm building up as we read in the scriptures. And Ahab saw this. Now, keep in mind what happened there. He saw the God of Israel, the only, the living God, answering the prayer of Elijah, consuming the full uh, sacrifice. Now that God, out of the nothingness of three years of no rain, out of the nothingness on the prayer of, of Elijah, God sent a storm to restore the health of the, of the, 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 uh, the situation in Israel. So, there was no doubt, there should have been no doubt in his mind who God is. The power and the grace of the Almighty God was shown and known to Ahab. He saw it, he experienced it, he knew it. There is only one God and he is the God of Israel. Worship him, bow down to him. He made it to Jezreel. He probably prepared himself for meeting up with Jezebel once again. What a woman. So those of the young men who are not married still, just look out. It's a good thing to have Jezebel in mere mind when you look for a wife. If she's not someone who worships God, she's going to give you, forgive me the expression, she's going to give you all hell. He knew that. He entered into the palace. He had seen everything. Now was his chance to stand up against this evil, evil woman. He could have told her then, just there and then, Jezebel, you worship Baal. Can I just tell you he's dead? Can I just tell you what happened there? There's only one God. He could have witnessed to, to her. He could have been a an, an marvelous strength even to bring her to the Lord that day. But we read this in the Bible. He told her everything which had happened. But the most important thing that he could have told her was not part of his report. Yes, he told her about Elijah. And what had happened. But instead of focusing upon the greatness and the uniqueness of God of Israel. Who revealed himself on the splendor of his power and his grace to sinners. By not wiping him out. Giving him another chance. He focused on what? I've got bad news for you Jezebel. Elijah killed 400 of your prophets. That's the only thing you could tell her. It reminds me of that man who lived 
amongst the graves, he was uncontrollable and quite clearly in the power of Satan. Jesus, our Lord, appeared on the scene and saved him by driving out the evil from his life. He became a saved child of God. You remember that, Mark chapter 5? He became a saved child of God, sitting at the feet of Jesus, all by himself, controlled by the Spirit of Christ. And then the Lord sent the evil spirits into the herd of pigs. And the owners of the pigs then heard it, and they came to Jesus and begged him for what? For forgiveness? To make them like he made the man? No. They begged Jesus to leave them and not come back. Why? Because it's a huge financial loss to have Jesus in the town. Ahab, you lost a golden opportunity to witness to the greatness of God to your wife. Your eyes are still shut to to the greatness and the mercy of God. How foolish can one be? You have seen the grace of God in action and still your heart is shut shut for His mercy which knocks at your heart. Sorry, Jezebel. Sorry, maybe I should have killed Ahab today. Then your 400 Baal priest would still be alive. Sorry for this. And, and the moment he lost that opportunity, Jezebel started a new plan to kill even more of the prophets of God. But there's grace once again for Ahab. The next time we read about Ahab was when the king Ben Hadad II of Aram gathered with 32 other kings, descending like flies upon him. That was in 1 Kings chapter 20. And he just said, he had messengers go to Ahab and he said, Ahab, your gold and your silver is mine, okay? And the best of your wives and your children, is that okay? What did Ahab say? It's okay, you can have them. You're going to have them. I'm okay. You, you keep in mind those days people had a lot of children and a lot of wives too. So I give a few away. It wouldn't be a problem. But Ben Hadid then saw the weakness in Ahab and he once again sent another lot of, of messengers and he says, I'll take everything you have. What about that? And Ahab said, No, well, the, now you're getting, now you're taking liberties here. I've already given you a few wives and children and some gold and, and all these things, but there's, there's a limit to this. You just can't take whatever you like. And then the Lord sent a prophet, and we don't even know the name of this prophet. The Lord sent a prophet, and we read about this in chapter 20, verse 13. This is what the Lord says, this prophet said. Do you see this vast army? I will give it into your hand today, and then you will know that I am the Lord. You will know I am the Lord. That's what the Lord wants Ahab to understand. Ahab, open your eyes and see that I am God and repent before me. 
Return, return, turn away from your evil ways. Well, go and read that. It's, it's very, very interesting, the, the, the part of the, the scriptures. They, the Lord did give that enemy in his hand. The battle was repeated in the next year. And once again, the prophet of the Lord came to Ahab with these words and, the, and this promise in verse 28 of chapter 20. This is what the Lord says, because the Arameans think that the Lord is the God of hills and not the God of the valleys, I will deliver this vast army in your hands and you will know that I am the Lord. Once again, same thing. Next year, another ad, a year added to the life of Ahab. Ahab, you saw what happened on the mountain. You saw how the Lord provided rain. You saw how the Lord last year did this miraculous thing. In, 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 in giving you the enemy in your hands, I prepare you for the fact, Ahab, they'll come back again. But I'll give it in your, land, in your hand for what reason? So that you will know I am the Lord. What more could Ahab ask for? How long would the Lord have mercy on this man? I ask the children, do you think, you know what Ahab did? Did he put his trust in God? What do you think? No. No. Sometimes we do the same thing. We hear the mercies of God Sunday after Sunday, week after week, year after year. We see and hear of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. We hear of his resurrection. We hear of his ascension into heaven where he intercedes for us. We hear about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We hear the gospel call calling us to repentance and service to God. And what do we do about it? We still trust in ourselves and we run after what the world has on offer. We don't trust God with our finances. Finances, not even when it comes to trusting Him to provide for us, when we have to put a tenth of our income aside for his service, when troubles come upon us, we sometimes react in the same ways as those who do not believe. We might even trust our insurance company more than we trust God. And above all, we continue to live our lives as if nothing has happened. Our lives do not show much difference between ourselves and those who don't even know a word from the Bible or even darkens the church door for worship. Let's go a bit on. Ahab showed mercy to Ben-Hadad. That's after that second here. He called him my brother. He spared his life. 
after God had given him in his hands, he spared his life. He actually made a treaty with him. He negotiated with his enemy. And once again, in spite of all this, God did not turn away in anger from Ahab. Once again, he sent a prophet. But instead of listening to that prophet, Ahab, the Bible tells us, became sullen and angry. It is not to say, thank you, Lord, there's another chance that you've given me. He's sullen and angry, depressive and angry. The truth of the scripture is not meant to hurt or to uh, not bind up. The truth of being exposed to sin is not meant to leave the sinner exposed and without hope. On the contrary, the truth of the gospel and how it exposes our sins is meant to bind up and to offer grace. How many people go away from worship angry and maybe sullen, depressed, because the minister dared to preach about sin and that truth hurt and wounded the sinful heart. And I just heard, and I confirmed that, I heard that from, our, uh, from Keith and, and uh, others that in the new edition of the Oxford Dictionary, more so the children version of it, the word sin will not be included in it anymore. It's not necessary to have sin anymore. Why? It's, it's a sinful thing to have sin, you see. That's, that's the problem. And that, there is where my ma- many people stop listening to the message of God's word because they say it's all about sin. It's all right. It's, it is true. It's all about sin, but it's all about grace. And when it comes to the offer of grace, we kick up our tails in anger and we walk away because we refuse to acknowledge that we have sinned. And Ahab did the same and he walked away unsaved, still in the grip of Satan. And then the next time, it is as if the Lord just want Ahab to understand this. He sent Elijah, not just any other prophet, Elijah to him again. It must have been something in the heart and the mind of Elijah to go once again and personally face this fellow who, who, who was, was out to kill him. And Elijah went to him after that incident with the vineyard of Naboth. And when he walked into that door, Elijah, uh, Ahab said to Elijah, So you found me, my enemy. Maybe Elijah would have said to him, I'm not your enemy. I want you to hear God's grace. But the words of Elijah were like a sword cutting deep into the heart of an Ahab. And the whole idea was not to hurt him, but to that, like a knife of the, of the doctor, to cut out everything that, that, that gives, it brings the, 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 the disease. I have found you, he answered, 
because you have sold yourself to do evil in the eyes of the Lord. And when Ahab he heard these words, chapter 21, 70, uh, 27, when Ahab he heard these words, he tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and fasted. He lay in sackcloth and went around meekly. At last, something happened to Ahab. He heard these words, and then the Lord said to, to, to uh, uh, Elijah once again, Go, talk to Ahab. I've seen this man, and I've seen that there was a form of repentance. Mercy is given to this man. Judgment is postponed. Ahab's heart responded to the word of God. There is hope for Ahab. Unfortunately, he did not repent wholeheartedly. And he turned his back on God. After all the calls for repentance, after all the offers of grace, Ahab said, Thank you, but no thank you. Ahab died. A battle where he lost it. And the dogs licked up his blood. That's the worst thing that could happen to anyone. That's the lowest of low that you can go to. And read where it all happened when they then washed the chariot of an Ahab at the washing pool of the prostitutes. And the dogs licked up his blood. That is as low as you can get. Today the words of God to Elijah like a hammer to us gathered here. How long will you waver upon two opinions? We have heard and seen the grace of God even more as we have heard the message of Christ Jesus who took our sins upon him. We hear it over and over again. The question is, how do we react? What difference does it make in the way we live? Do we get away angry when the Lord once again knocks at our door and He wants us to turn away from sins? Can we find ourselves turning completely away from sin and Satan to follow God with a life of complete dedication to do His will? Live wisely and know the will of the Lord. Hear the voice of Christ Jesus. Turn away but then the Bible tells us he who is a friend of this world is an enemy of God. 
How long will you waver between two opinions? Look at the life of Ahab. Look at the life of Judas. It ended in disaster. And then to just perhaps, and that's a final word, the person who wrote the Bible wanted us to know that all he did in his life and all his achievements, go and read that, because that was the, line, the last about, written about him. He did a lot of things. He did this and he did that and he did that. But he didn't count. Yeah, he was a good king. He did a lot of things. He won a few wars. and Yeah. But he died without God. Let us pray. Our Lord and our Father, we thank you for including these chapters of Ahab in the Bible. We thank you, Father, that we could hear about your grace once again. And we are put before that decision that we would not be wavering upon two opinions. We pray, Father, that you will give us that grace to today. Today. Turn to you with a complete heart and receive complete forgiveness of our sins. Amen.